Hi there, and welcome to episode 57 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. My name is Greg Lindbergh. Here on episode 57, our guest is a young lady from Tennessee uh, who is very involved in yoga, dance, nutrition, uh, wellness, and uh, just a, a renaissance woman, if you will, in many ways, and uh, has achieved so much in her life uh, already in spite of her visual impairment. So let's go ahead and get rolling now with episode number 57. All right, so my guest here on this episode of the podcast is Jillian Ricks, and uh, Jillian is very accomplished in dance, yoga, uh, nutrition, a woman of many talents, uh, shall we say. Jillian, welcome to the podcast. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Absolutely. Really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And I know you've got a really unique background and many, you know, your hand in many different hats. So really excited to get into this. Yeah, me too. Cool. Yep. And I did want to mention that you're from uh, Saudi Daisy, Tennessee, which is in the Chattanooga area. And I guess kind of on that note, let's just talk about your early years. Uh, so you were born in, in the town of Saudi Daisy, correct? Yeah, well, um, Saudi is a very tiny little city, um, but it's on the outskirts of Chattanooga. So I was actually born in Chattanooga. Been here my whole life, born and raised here. I see. Very interesting. And in terms of uh, your visual impairment, uh, is that since birth or talk to me about that? Okay, so um, I have Stargardt's disease, which is a genetic disorder. So what happened was when I was first born up until I was five, everything was all good. And then my vision started deteriorating at, at five. So, um, and then since then it's, you know, progressed um, to where I am now. Um, but it is, it is genetic. So it, it's like, I don't know how much people know about it. I feel like everyone does because I do, you know, so, but it is like a, um, it's like a juvenile form of macular degeneration. I see. Yeah, I know I have had a few previous guests on the podcast with it, and you know, I'm somewhat familiar from afar. Yeah. As far as the the condition, but I've definitely you know heard of it for a while. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so then in terms of say education, uh, were you mainstreamed in school, or talk to me about your educational years? Oh, I was mainstream in the public school system, and. I graduated from Saudi Daisy High School, and then I went into college. I went to UTC, um, the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, and I graduated there. Oh, when was that? Feels like forever ago. It was '08, <laughs> um, with a degree in philosophy. Oh wow, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then from there, like I could keep going <laughs> from there because. <laughs> uh, what happened was, okay, so my thought was I was going to be a lawyer, right? So I get a philosophy degree, and then I'd have, um, I had a political science under um, minor. But the more I was in it, and before I really realized I didn't like arguing, you know, I just liked <laughs> reading the, the interesting ideas and all the theories and, um, I liked hearing other people argue, but whenever it was my turn, I was like, what, what, what are you talking to me? <laughs> like, or I'll, I would be like, oh, no, your idea is great. And they're like, no, you, you need to counter it. And I'm like, oh, but I like it. <laughs> you know, like, 
So, yep, yep. so I didn't have a clear direction after I graduated from college because I also graduated in 08, which was, there was a recession going on. And so finding a job was difficult for everyone, but especially for someone who had a philosophy degree, you know, like no one was hiring philosophers, you know? <laughs> right. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so from there, I was just twiddling my thumbs and one of my best friends, she signed up for a yoga teacher training and she asked me to come along with her. And I was like, well, sure, I'm not doing anything. And, and I just happened to have the, the exact amount of money I needed for the program from all the graduation cards from my family, all from Saudi Daisy. And I just put it in a savings account. And so she goes, well, the program is, you know, nine months and it costs this much. And I go, oh my gosh, like I had down to like the penny. So it was like, <laughs> wow, so I think I'm really supposed to do this program. Yeah, yeah. So I, after I graduated my yoga teacher training in t 2010, I went straight into massage school um, and I'm a licensed massage therapist and I graduated from uh, Chattanooga State Technical College in 2011 and I immediately opened my own healing center and then I went back to school for um, like holistic health and for natural health and I graduated from the Trinity School of Natural Health in what was it, it was 19 and I'm currently not in a school or a program which feels very odd <laughs> because <laughs> I went to school for so long Oh yeah, that's a lot of a lot of years, and you know, a lot of dedication, blood, sweat, and tears to earn all yes. those degrees, certifications, everything, right? Yes, yeah, but it was totally worth it and a lot of fun. Absolutely, yeah. And so let's uh, just kind of rewind a little bit. Uh, so I was reading, you know, your bio, just from what I understand about your background as a child. Was it dance? As far as like recreation, was dance kind of your first foray into recreation? Oh, yes. So my mother was a dancer. And as soon as I could walk, pretty much, I, I was dancing. <laughs> and um, yep. my my grandmother used to have a hearth, like a, it was a fireplace with mountain stone, and it was lifted up off the floor a little bit. And so I hmm. used to stand up on that hearth and like perform for everyone. And that was like from birth. So as soon as I was old enough to take a dance class, my mom immediately put me in. So it was like, I think I was three. And, and I just continued, like I never, I never stopped. Even when my vision started deteriorating, I just kept in it. Like I, I just did, you know? I also did soccer when I was a kid and, and softball. So my parents kept me very active. Right. And as far as those two sports, uh, did you participate in those, you know, when you started losing vision as well? Or? Up until um, they went to fast pitch and I couldn't, I just, I couldn't manage the speed of the ball. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no, thank you. Um, right. And, and then in soccer, I did until the, the, the girls started getting really aggressive and competitive and they started tackling and my dad was like maybe um 
maybe we should take you out now. Like it, it's not working. But they, the, and I don't blame the girls. Like, but they would get kind of frustrated with me because I was I would miss the ball, you know, or I, I would yep. miss the goal. But when I was younger, it was all good. We were just you know little toddlers trotting around with the soccer ball. But when you get up into like preteen, you get pretty you know competitive. So, oh yeah. I, <laughs> And I know as far as soccer, you know, like concussions, people don't realize are a huge part of the, the sport. Oh, Obviously, I the know. more competitive you play, so. They're pretty competitive here in Saudi Daisy, so. <laughs> <laughs> yo, but, yo. But, but the lucky thing was I still had dance, so I, ne- I never stopped that. So I kept, I, I've always been active. And even like in high school, I did color guard with the marching band. And, and that was so much, oh, that was so much fun. I I did that through college too. And then went back to dance after college. And then I got certified. I'm actually a certified belly, belly dancer through the Salimpour school. So that it's just always been part of me, you know, and even as I'm like with my kids at home, like we have impromptu dance parties and, um, I teach dance a lot of in my through my programs, so it's really a part of my being. Absolutely, that's awesome. And I am curious in terms of you know adaptations, uh, you know specifically when it comes to dance. Um, are there any little things that you've maybe developed over time to make it uh, you know safer, so to speak, or so that you can continue to enjoy dance, you know, as a visually impaired individual? I've really been very lucky to have dance teachers who are very um, verbal, you know, and even when I would go into a new dance class with a new teacher, it took them a minute. I'm not going to lie. Like some of them, you know, it took them a minute to get the hang of it, but they would, they would try really hard to like verbalize it all. And also they would, um, they would touch my body like if like say my arm was supposed to be out to the side and I wasn't holding my arm exactly like everyone else I would just allow them to come and manipulate my arm and then you know they might have to do that once or twice for me to remember how that feels in my body and then I could do it from then on so I was really open to having them you know manipulate my body and and they were always very specific on uh, lining up so because in a choreography a dance choreography usually there's people moving around all over the place you know going forward going back back and forth you trade lines you know you're spinning mm-hmm. right. um, and they would always really make sure I was always in the same spot each time and everyone else I danced with always knew too like they were always very aware of me and had really awesome dance partners in uh, dance classes and they were just really all com- they just accepted me and and I would just, and I'm very accurate and I like I feel like I don't know if it's just something all visually impaired folks do but like I know how many steps it takes to get to where I'm going you know like I know so For I would sure. just know that with a dance move I knew with this dance step I should be standing here you know so I just used the skills we already have and just applied them 
to the stage and then and it, and it has gotten like because my my vision since I've gotten in my 30s has started deteriorating a little more and so I'm not as like I don't do ballet anymore right where I'm like leaping across floor and doing 100 spins across you know like that wouldn't <laughs> go well right now yeah, um, for sure yep. so belly dance makes it more accessible because it's you, there's no big old jumps and leaps and running around you know like it's all kind of really internal and within the Salonpour school they have it written in such a way it's so vision like you don't even have to see like you could close your eyes and sometimes they encourage folks to and just listen to the instruction because they name all the moves all of them have a name which is very unique to dance because you know it's subjective and they can name one shape of your body which is you know they might call it triangle just for an example and then you go to another class and it's the exact same shape but that teacher calls it you know square you know they can make up their own terminology but with belly dance what they've done is everyone knows the the, the language within that school so no matter what teacher i go to they use the same vocabulary and as long as i know that move goes with that vocabulary word i'm good so it's just remembering a language pretty much it's just and then allowing my body to follow along with the language and they even break it down so much as to describe the move and that through with anatomical language so like a say let's say a up hip they'll say okay to initiate an up hip you need to engage your right oblique and do a glute squeeze on the right right so they make it so like you don't even have to see you just follow along it's like almost like a manual <laughs> like, <laughs> like a lego manual or something so that's why I've, right. I've navigated towards that as i've gotten older because it's just all in my body and it's right there it's so easy to follow and it's fun. It's so much fun. Oh, yeah. And I know you mentioned, like, memorization, obviously, is such a critical thing for those of us who are blind or visually impaired. And, uh, you know, spatial awareness, just kind of recognizing things over time mm -hmm. and how that all plays into dance, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And uh, have you had the opportunity to actually teach any kind of dance classes yourself? Or? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I used to teach belly dance. Um, I had a few. Well, I had a troupe. It was called Jilly's Bellies. And yeah, I taught them and we, I, you know, put together the choreographies and we performed quite a few times. It was a lot of fun. And they liked my teaching style because I was so verbal myself, you know, I would describe everything to the T and then they would be able to match it. And then also, I mean, they could see me too. So that helped, but they, sure, they liked my, sure. my verbal cues. Right. And you have, have you had the chance to teach, you know, visually impaired individuals in terms of dance? Yes, I have actually. Um, I taught a few and they would come 
Well, I went, I would go to her home and then a few would come to the center and they really enjoyed it for the same reason, like because of my visual, uh, my, my verbal cues, you know? So they really liked it with yoga too. Like I have visually impaired yoga students. I don't know if that's just more where my heart is right now, but that seems to be where they gravitate to. Like all my students gravitate to yoga and then the visually impaired clients and folks who I've worked with, it's mostly been in yoga. Gotcha. I see. And I know that I recently had the chance to attend uh, one of your classes, which was through the National Braille Press. And I'm definitely wondering, you know, how you got, how you made that connection and, you know, when that started, how long you've been offering uh, those classes. Oh, I've been teaching yoga for, for a long time. I think like 11 or 12 years, but you know, the, the pandemic happened uh, and I had to close down my center for a little bit and I wasn't able to teach yoga and I felt really isolated and I could only imagine that I, like I was not the only one like I'm sure I feel like we've all been you know that's a story we all know so what I did is I reached out to the National Braille Press because I knew I could offer class through Zoom like I knew that was a possibility and I knew I wanted to help other visually impaired folks like have some sort of outlet, some sort of connection to the world um, within the whole pandemic. Because anytime I tried to do a class or do anything, it was so visual. Like if I went on YouTube, I was like, I can't even follow this person. They're not even giving me any visual cues or anything. And so I was like, I know I could help. And that, that was my goal is like, I just want to help. And so I reached out to the National Braille Press and I go, is there any way that I can contact, you know, your, the folks on your list? Is there, is there any way I can help? And so they came up with the idea of me teaching the virtual yoga class for a fundraiser for them. And then But even before that, what I did was I started doing an online Zoom class and I just made it donation based and I allowed half of the proceeds to go to the National Braille Press. So I did that also to try to encourage folks who are legally blind or visually impaired to join me, you know, for themselves, but also to help give back to the National Braille Press and then also to just bring more awareness to the the sighted community, I guess, of, I honestly don't, I don't talk much about my vision impairment. I do, I do, but I don't like people around me know, but I was like, I would like to make it more, people more aware. They need to know, like there's Braille books, people need Braille books, you know, and there's, you know, we need to adapt. We need to do things for, for the, the legally blind community. And so that's, I started advertising it for that and just trying to, have more awareness and just to help overall, like help everybody. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, I know that, uh, you know, the class I did attend, you know, kind of like you were talking about with dance, uh, you were very, very descriptive and I was very comfortable understanding exactly what types of poses I needed to do and how to kind of contort my body, uh, you know, in certain, in certain ways. And just talk to me about your approach specifically to a class of blind and visually impaired individuals uh, when it comes to yoga? Okay, so 
what I love about yoga is it's an invitation for you to move your body, right? So that's all I'm doing is within a yoga class, I am inviting you to join me in movement. And I tell this to everyone, no matter who I'm teaching, your body is not going to look or act the same way as my body. And that's fine. Like that's not the goal. We're not trying to be, you know, copycats, right? We're trying to just (laughs) be in our own body, breathe, move, wiggle, shake, jump, you know, just be comfortable and get some stretching done, you know, get some flexibility, get some strength going, you know? Sure. So because of that, I don't focus a lot on, you know, are you doing it right? Or is this correct or whatever? And I use descriptive terms so you can follow my words and get into a pose. But then once you're in it, you can move it around, right? You can flap your wings or your arms (laughs) like (laughs) wings or you can shake your head or at times I just say hey no no wrong movement here just wiggle your body you know just just wiggle or wiggle your toes and and then I also like to give very like almost like coming from your imagination like how would a mermaid feel right now in the sand (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> What's your mermaid look like in the sand right now? Do that. Make your body in that shape, you know? So there's, it's going to be different for everyone, you know? And then I do descriptions of like pixies on your back. Like don't, you know, don't, don't upset their picnic. Like just stuff like that, where it just brings you into where it's more playful and more fun. And, and then it's okay if it's not perfect because it's, there's no such thing as perfect anyway. Right. So we're just moving. Exactly. Is that a good answer? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and I I really like how okay. you know the, the creativity, kind of the humor that you use, some of the funny names of you know the different poses, the analogies, everything really makes it more engaging. Like you said, more playful, um, not as serious, or you know people it kind kind of takes away from the nerves or you know, maybe yeah. anxiety of someone who just doesn't have as much experience with with yoga. And I also, I love yoga because most yoga teachers use the same terminology for each pose. Like if you go to a yoga class and they say triangle, that should be pretty universal across the board. Now that's not everywhere. Like some people do name their own poses different. So that's what I also try to give too, is I try to also give just the name like, okay, now you're in down dog. You know, everyone who's done yoga before would know a down dog, but I also give instruction on how to position your body to actually be in the pose too. Like very descriptive of your hands should be here. Your feet should be lined up, you know, and then once we're there, then we'll, we'll wiggle it around and shake it. Right, right. I see. And something else I noticed is, uh, you know, being very inclusive of everyone's physical abilities. You know, obviously people Mm -hmm. of all different ages have different physical abilities. You know, some are much more flexible than others and Mm -hmm. people have had various injuries, surgeries, Mm -hmm. whatnot. And I really like how you say, you know, this is what you can do, but if you can't, you know, kind of customizing it or doing it the way that's that's most comfortable for you. You have to be comfortable while you're doing it or you're not going to ever do it again, you know? <laughs> and you have to be comfortable so you, you do it again so you feel better. So 
I don't, I'm not a firm believer of that whole no pain, no gain type mentality. Right. Like, you shouldn't be in pain. No, no pinching, tingling, numbness, sharpshooting pain. You know, that's different than a stretch. You know, a stretch feels like, oh, I haven't done this in a while. Oh, that's tight. Oh, that feels yummy. Okay, I can hold it. You know, that's different and that's okay. But I, I don't, if ever, if it's uncomfortable, then I always tell everyone, just don't do it. Do something different. Make it up. Just <laughs> wiggle. Or, you know? Oh, yeah. As long as you're moving, you know, like you were saying earlier, that's yeah. that's the main goal, right? Yeah. Definitely. And so if someone is interested in uh, attending one of these Zoom classes, uh, if you want to give out the info, how can they learn more? Yeah. So you um, can go to my website, which is uh, Jillian's with an S uh, healing arts center.com. Should I, should I spell it? Uh, sure. If you'd like to, <laughs> I know it's a long one. <laughs> okay. So it'll be J I L L I A N S H E A L I N G A R T S C E N T E R dot com. And right on the homepage, right on the homepage, it has everything I'm offering right now. So it will have the donation-based yoga class, which we meet every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern. And you can um, sign up there, create um, a little profile if you like to keep up with all your upcoming appointments and stuff for the yoga. And they'll even allow you to donate if you're interested in donating to the class and to the National Braille Press. And um, if you have difficulty, if anyone has difficulty reaching that, you can always send me an email too. And that's just, again, Jillian's Healing Art Center at gmail.com. Gotcha. Easy enough. Cool. And then just a few other things here. Um, just talk to me a little more about uh, some of the other services that you offer there at your center. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a licensed massage therapist, so I'm still offering massage. And then what I'm super excited about is I'm creating a group health coaching program for women. And it's, it's currently actually launching for the first, or excuse me, for the second collective. And so this program is called Goddess Rejuvenation. And I, uh, I help women get rid of the overwhelm, the hyperdrive, the anxiousness, right? The nervous system that's on overdrive and won't calm down. Yep. And, and step into their power of healing, right? So we, we focus on mindset. We focus on foods. We focus on, there'll be some dancing and some yoga in there and, the whole purpose is just so you know we it's just so you feel good in your body all the time you feel connected to yourself to what you're wanting to accomplish each day and you actually have the energy to do it without feeling like you have to collapse on the couch or you know take a nap for days on end it's about reconnecting with your your power like with your body who knows exactly what you need each day from what foods you need to eat from what movement you need to do to you know maybe you need to meditate or do other mindset practices 
where you feel good. It's almost like you're, it's, it's like self-care, but even more so because you do all of that and then you're able to then help your family from a place of a full cup, right? Like everyone's talking about, make sure you have a full cup, you have what you need. And then you can help your family. You can help your community. You can go to work and be pleasant to your coworkers, you know, because you're coming from a place of, you know, we talk about high vibe, high frequency, high energy, right? You're coming from a place of love and gratitude. And so I coach women through the program, how to create that lifestyle for themselves. And we create a health blueprint for their own personal needs because it will look different than my needs or even from yours because we have different goals, different purposes, and our bodies are different and need different foods, different exercises, you know. So we'll create that. So at the end of the program, you're you're set. You have all the tools in your tool belt. You have your health blueprint where you can, you know, continue a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. So that's that's goddess rejuvenation <laughs> in a in a big old nutshell. <laughs> sure, sure, very cool. And I know just you know we've talked about the pandemic and how it's impacted so many of us in so many ways. You know, in terms of loss, losing loved ones to COVID, and obviously job changes mm-hmm. and just all the stressors that have come uh, you know over the last couple of years. So I think the timing of this type of program is is just amazing. Well, thank you. I. I think so because we don't realize I think how that is those emotions and that stress um, if we don't do something with it like it stays in our body like it it stays there that's what makes our shoulders want to kiss our ears all the time or you know us you know scratch I don't know like little cats scratching a scratch all the time like our nervous <laughs> system just goes on hyperdrive so it's really good to like find a way to release those energies, release those emotions and that stress. So that way, you know, we don't have to live off like that. Like that's not, that's not sustainable for anybody. Absolutely. And then even tying it into, you know, specifically those with disabilities, the blind and visually impaired community. Um, obviously we tend to deal with, you know, a little more stress just by nature. Um, so, you know, whether it's a, you know, a blind client that you're working with or fully sighted or whatnot, obviously these types of things can benefit all of us. Yeah. And I've actually have coached, um, two visually impaired women through my program and each of them, like they loved it so much more just because they could talk to me about stressors that we have that other people just don't like they just kind of take from granted like um and so they really like that they're like i can't believe i'm able to talk to you about how you know i couldn't read the sign or you know whatever it was that really you know those things can really ruin our day sometimes you know so i can offer that and they really enjoyed that part nice yeah uh, so one final question here, if someone's listening to this and, uh, you know, they've never done yoga, they've never done dance, some of these activities and they're, they're very interested in getting involved. What would you say is like the first step that someone could take to kind of get on that path to, to healing, to movement, to kind of rejuvenating their, their bodies? 
I would say <laughs> I'm trying not to filter. Okay, I would say <laughs> I would say do it, do it, do it. So it's intimidating, you know. It can be feel intimidating in your body and overwhelming. But if it's something you know you really want to do, like you know deep down you want to try yoga or you want to try dance or you want to sign up for a wellness program. You, you've been reading all the posts, you've been reading about online, you know your doctors might even be telling you to do it. So you know, <laughs> so it's just, you gotta, you gotta push past that resistance, like that point where you just, it feels too overwhelming. And it's okay to feel that way. You take a deep breath and then just go for it. Like reach out to your yoga teachers, the teacher school, reach out to the dance program, to the health coach, to whoever, reach out and just be honest. Be like, hey, I really want to do this. I am legally blind or I'm, you know, blind or whatever. Like put it out there first thing on the table and then ask them, can I do this? Like, are you willing to, um, you know, accommodate me? How can you accommodate me? You know, just be blunt just do it <laughs> and yep. they're always I, I find if you just come at it that way then most people are like oh yes we could totally accommodate you come on in here's where you put your shoes come here here's a mat and they just they help and if they can't then they usually say well I don't I don't feel comfortable but I know who does you know so I think as long as you just start talking about it with people, just start putting it out there, you'll create it. You'll get it. You know, you just got to do it. Yep. Absolutely. Wonderful advice. Uh, advocacy. We talk a lot about on this podcast, advocating for oneself, speaking up, you know, saying, I need help with this. How can you help me? And like you said, if, if the first person you talk to can't, you know, they can probably find someone, refer you to someone mm -hmm. who, who probably can. Yeah. And, and, and um, if they say they can't, but you know, you know you can, it's okay to do it anyway. Like, prove them wrong. Like, that is my most favorite thing to do. I, I have had to do that a lot throughout my career is, you know, I've, like, when I signed up for my yoga teacher training, they did not want me. They were like, no, uh, you can't see. And I'm like, I know, but I can do this and watch me. And I did, you know. Right. So if you know you can do it, just prove them wrong. I love doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and I know y'all do too. You can do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then seeing their reaction afterward, that's such a rewarding mm -hmm. feeling, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely cool. I think that's a, a good note to end on. Um, so again, we've been visiting with Jillian Ricks, and uh, really appreciate the time. Jillian, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast and for everything that you do uh, for the blind community. Yeah, you are so welcome. Thanks again for having me. It was a lot of fun talking with you and uh, connecting with your audience. Uh, I really appreciate it. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports. Sports.